I'm looking pretty pixely. <laughs> good afternoon, uh, good morning, I guess, and good evening, everybody. Um, this is the Rebel News Daily live stream. Um, it's hosted by me, Sheila Gunn-Reed, today. And my guest host is Lewis Brackpool, our UK contributor. Lewis, I'm looking very pixely, but you are looking great. How's it going? <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, everything's okay. Not, not yeah. too bad on my end. How are you? Oh, I don't know. We're having internet difficulties out here in the wilds of northern Canada, but we'll figure it out. Um, I sh oh. oh, 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 sorry. Thing I things are really, really, really bad here. Um, anyways, I should tell everybody what we're doing while I'm still able to broadcast. Um, this is the Rebel News Daily live stream. It's hosted, uh, it used to just be hosted on Fridays by Ezra Levant, but then the pandemic struck and nobody could travel, but there was more news than ever. So we thought this is a good way to talk about it with everybody sort of spontaneously as it happens and react. And it used to be a great way for our viewers to support the work that we do on YouTube through something called a super chat, but then Biden got elected and big tech didn't have to pretend anymore. And so they completely demonetized uh, so many conservative platforms, including us. So, um, the moral of the story being, we are becoming more resilient in spite of that soft censorship by broadcasting on three other platforms, Odyssey, Rumble, and SuperU. They describe themselves as neutral platforms. And that's great because I don't want them to agree with me politically. I just want them to agree to leave me alone. And so far, so good over there. And they also have different ways there where you can support the work that we do through a Rumble Rand, a SuperU Shout, uh, and an Odyssey Hyperchat. And so that's a great way for our viewers to connect with us, drop us a couple of bucks, a little bit of money. Uh, Mr. Producer AD will send those uh, chats to me on um, a message and we'll read those and address them on air. Um, and uh, there will co come a time on the show today that we will have to sort of sign off of YouTube. We start off on YouTube, but we don't say goodbye to our viewers. We invite them to continue the conversation with us over on one of those other neutral platforms. So YouTube is really strict about the things that we can and can't talk about. It's one of my biggest stresses in a day is making sure that we don't publish something that will have the channel destroyed. I don't want it to be me. I always kind of thought it would be David Menzies, but now apparently that's my job at the company <laughs> is making sure YouTube, we don't uh, self-destruct on YouTube. So that's uh, what we're doing here today. And uh, Mr. Producer reminded me just before we went on air that we should give a quick shout out to our podcast listeners, because apparently there are thousands of you who watch or listen to us in that way and catch up with us. Um, and I think that's phenomenal. We always sort of forget about you guys, but you know, thanks for that. Uh, I prefer to listen to my news and podcast form. Um, I'm just happy to hear that I am not uh, all that abnormal. So that's great. <laughs> this is, is my pixelation as annoying is my pixelation as annoying for everybody else as it is for me? I really, really dislike it. Um, maybe, Mr. Producer, what do you think? Should I try to call back in and just let Lou do this that. on his own? Yeah, yeah just leave okay. me here Let's... with him. <laughs> okay. That's fine. I'm going to say bye, but I'll be right back. Lewis, <laughs> you got sure, it from here. No problem. <laughs> No worries. Well, we've got an exciting show today. We're going to be going through a lot of things such as China. We're going to be talking about Matt Walsh's appearance as well and Dr. Phil last night. 
And of course, we've got some COVID stuff to talk about, especially with some new re newly released data from the UK. So we've got a very, very exciting show today. Um, I'm going to wait for, of course, Sheila to come back and, uh, and then we can get things rolling. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. And if you didn't catch Sheila as well, we're going to be uh, reading out your comments on the live stream as well, because I think that's very, very important um, as well to connect with all of you guys who send in your, your lovely comments. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading some out. Or Sheila, I'm sure, will be reading some out as well. Um, I don't know if the producer can hear me. Is uh, is is Sheila on her way back? Okay, cool, no problem. Cool. Well, let's let's kick off with the first story, and we'll let uh, we'll let Sheila take over. Um, so we're going to start with China is accused of kidnapping thousands and thousands of people. So if we'd like to bring up the the first story, just so that we can have a quick look. So China accused of secretly kidnapping and repatriating. Um, sorry, the, the, the text has just gone a bit strange. I think originally, that's the thing originally. Ah, perfect. There we go. Kidnapping and repatriating runaway dissidents to imprison. Now, as we know, China, I believe, is one of the biggest um, threats to the West and the Western world because they own so much. So it's no, it's no surprise, in my opinion, that we're seeing this kind of thing come out from China. Um, could we go back to the um, to the article, if that's all right, just so I can have a quick look at that? Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, China said they were captured for economic crimes, but Beijing is accused of targeting lawyers, dissidents, bloggers, journalists, uh, Tibetans, Uyghurs, and Hong Kongers as well. Um, pretty scary stuff. Pretty scary stuff. And we've got Sheila back, and you're looking as lovely as ever without all the pixelation. Welcome back, Sheila. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks, Lewis, for taking the wheel there for a second. Um, I don't know That's what's right. going on. <laughs> uh, it's gravely <laughs> cold here, so maybe that affects the internet. But um, yeah, why is this any surprise to us that China is mm. doing all these things? This is like news that we already know. I, But this goes more to our point that we were making the other day. Why are we participating in these genocide Olympics that are coming right up? Any journalist that goes over to cover it is going to be seriously surveilled. Any athlete that goes there to participate is going to be surveilled. Um, they do this to their own people. They're snatching them and bringing them home. Yeah. What are they going to do to prickly Canadian journalists who may have been unkind to China in previous coverage? Uh, it's just yeah. dangerous. I don't understand the risk. Uh, as I said the other day, this feels like Hitler's Olympics, where it was just a big um, propaganda operation. Um, we've got the concentration camps are back. The, you know, the human experiments are back. Why are we doing this thing for China? I don't understand any of it. Yeah, absolutely. And like I was saying, China owned a lot of, of the world uh, at the minute, especially the West in, in places like energy um, and, and lots of different uh, aspects. So it's no surprise that they, they have a lot of control over um, big led legacy media outlets as well. So no wonder only a tiny proportion of people in the West, journalists in the West, are actually sticking their neck out to, to cover mm. Uh, what's been going on out there. So, yeah, like you said, it, it's no surprise seeing this from China. And I think we're going to see a lot more stuff unravel during 2022, I believe. 
Uh, maybe we can jump ahead to the next story from Blacklocks AD. It's about Xinhua. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. They are seeking a parliamentary press pass in Canada. So access to our House of Commons, close quarters with our journalists. Um, and not yesterday, but I guess it would be the day before, media directors of the Parliamentary Press Gallery met behind closed doors to consider membership for Xinhua, the official propaganda agency of the Chinese Communist Party. The press gallery had wow. said it had not discussed the matter with the prime minister's office. This is a huge security threat, but I think it's interesting that the parliamentary press gallery is even considering allowing Xinhua in because they don't allow us in. They don't allow Rebel News in. They say that we are not real journalists, but they're actually giving some hmm, serious consideration to Xinhua, the um, spy agency that masquerades as a journalist agency. Um on behalf of the CCP, which is, you know, a genocide state. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they're not going to be showing uh, pictures of Winnie the Pooh. I think that's banned as well, because you're not allowed to do that, are you? <laughs> no, you're not. Um, and, you know, I, I don't even understand the interest that Ch that China has in coming to cover the Canadian Parliament since um, there's this new report out, I think it's in Yahoo News, about how much China doesn't actually like Canada. And this is like, I, I think it's not the Chinese government, but the Chinese people generally don't like Canada. Um, <laughs> Canada, once a hot travel destination among Chinese people, has become China's least favorite country, according to a recent survey from state, well, state-run news, Global Times. Everything's state-run. Why do they have to preface it with that? Why, if, <laughs> if it's coming from China, I'm just going to assume that the state is involved. Um <laughs> The poll conducted by Global Times Research Center with market survey firm Data 100 gathered 2,148 responses across 16 Chinese cities from December 5th or 10th to 15th, 2021, showed Canada at the bottom of the ranking with only 0.4% of respondents saying they like the North American country. Um, this actually doesn't surprise me. Um, as we were talking in the meeting preparing for this, um, I think they they know they can walk all over Justin Trudeau. So I think they kind of, I don't know if they, I, I wouldn't say they like him. They definitely don't respect him, but they know he's mm. a good, I, I don't want to say asset, but that might be the right word. But in Canada, we have a very strong, vocal Chinese immigrant community who came here mm -hmm. for freedom and they are very critical of the Chinese government. They are the ones saying, Justin Trudeau, you've got to get harder on them. We've got to stop our um, uh, some of our uh, citizenship policies where you just have to be born here to be a citizen because there's a real problem with anchor babies from China being born in the lower mainland of British Columbia. It's a real big problem. Um, and so they are the ones that show up at Conservative Party of Canada conventions saying, we need to bring in this policy that cracks down on China and this one, and we need to ban Huawei and we need to call the what's happening to the Uyghurs a genocide. A lot of that rumbling is coming from the Chinese immigrant community. Um, and so I, I get why China is prickly with Canada about that, because obviously they would just like us to stick all those people in a camp and shut them up. But yeah. we don't do that around here. We only do that to pastors. <laughs> yeah. And the unvaccinated soon. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but uh, I think it's no surprise, really. I mean, 
it's good to see um, that the that the strong um, uh, voices are coming from uh, people who obviously lived through um, the, the the horrors over in China and decided to make that um, that journey across to the West, to the free West, as we call it. Although it's up for debate now whether it's becoming. Uh, free or not at the minute, but um, that's a different subject. But yeah, it, it, it goes to show that um, the people who are who are projecting this, um, the idea that of course China is this this big, um, nice, friendly um, sort of unit that is there to to to, to cohabitate with the with the, the West is, um, is is shocking, and I can only see that as just pure media propaganda now. Um, from state China media and, of course, collaterating with the Western media, if that made sense. I just, it's just shocking to me that you, you, all of this evidence of the Uyghurs, of how China's big influence on the West is, is so out there, it's easy, you can easily find it, you can see all this information, yet people are still very, very silent on it. When I went to COP26 and there was... Um, there was some protesters outside protesting against the Chinese regime and spoke about the Falun Gong um, tribe who had been massacred over there that nobody really had heard of. But they were the only ones preaching about, how, well, not preaching, but explaining to people about the horrors of this regime and what they've done. And then I speak to, to someone else and say, should we criticize China? And their immediate reaction is no. And, uh, you know, China's our friends, China's, you know, we, we should be looking out for them um, when they don't actually understand all the horrors that have been happening with this regime over the, over the years. And it's going to continue to, um, to expand. Um, but people need to start having these conversations. It's and they are tricky, but I think it's a very, very important one. Well, and it's interesting because so much of the opposition to China is coming from ethnic Chinese people, Hong Kongers, uh, mm. people in Taiwan, the Chinese expat community mm. who escaped and did immigration right. You know, they came in the front door and <laughs> waited their turn. Yeah. Um, you know. But when you, if you got all your news from the mainstream media, any criticism of the Chinese government is often painted as anti-Chinese racism. But when you point yeah. to the people who are actually doing the criticism of China, they're ethnic Chinese. It's the worst form yeah. of gaslighting. And it's funny that you mentioned yeah. the Falun Gong because I was reading the Epoch Times today. And uh, China just, Beijing just sentenced a Falun Gong practitioner to eight years in prison ahead of the Olympic Games. And you're not going to hear anything about this in in the mainstream media. No. You're not going to hear about um, any diplomatic pressure being put on China for what they're doing to the Falun Gong. They mm. harvest their organs. They harvest yeah. the Falun Gong's organs. And this is not like a conspiracy theory. This is something that they do. They see the Falun Gong as subhuman um, that are just mm -hmm. a, like a natural resource that somebody else can use. It's awful. And we don't say a word in the Western world. We just let them get away with it because we need our electronic components and our cheap clothing from Sheen. And <laughs> well, here's the thing with that as well. I mean, you, you touched upon um, that when when you try to criticize uh, another country and their regime, you're met with the same sort of silly arguments of, 
oh, that, that means, uh, you know, oh, you must be racist then for criticizing China or criticizing this country or that country. But like you said, the main people who are speaking about it are ethnically Chinese who have lived, lived through the horrors and have firsthand experience of how the regime works. So I think people need to snap out of this idea of just because you, you're criticizing something doesn't mean that you're automatically this bigoted, horrible person. And I think society in general needs to just get over that. We should hold people accountable for actions, not not based on, you know, creed or ethnicity. It's based on actions and ideology. I think that's the main well, thing. Yeah. And I criticize China so much because I want the mm. Chinese to be free. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, exactly. I want the Chinese people to be free of their horrible government. Ideally, they're they're yeah. the first per people persecuted by the Chinese government. So a lot of my criticism is not only directed at what China is doing to the rest of the world, but also equally what China is doing to its own people. This is, I mean, mm. yeah. Anyway, yeah. I could talk about how it's bad sad. China is all the time. I could devote a whole show to just how awful um, China is and what a threat they are to the security of the world and the health of the world, by the way. But we should move along mm -hmm. because um, you're in the UK, so you know what a plague the state broadcaster is, what a burden it is on the taxpayer, how unwatchable it is. Although I think more people probably watch the BBC than the statistical rounding error of Canadians who actually consume CBC content, even though we have these Canadian <laughs> content laws. Um, now the Liberals, who uh, are just in love with the concept of the CBC, the completely unwatchable CBC, they've decided that they're going to modernize the CBC um, by making the public broadcaster less reliant on advertising, which is literally the old model of the CBC. So I don't know how that's bringing it into the like 21st century by doing the things, more of the things we've done for the last 70 years. But it's weird how they've made the word modernize interchangeable with subsidize, continue to subsidize. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's completely unwatchable. Of course, it can't be reliant on advertising. How do you sell advertising with those viewership numbers when you're like, oh, you know, like a Across the entire country of 34 million people, a small town in Alberta is the population that watches the six o'clock news in uh, of CBC, their flagship news. So I don't know. How, how would you sell advertising with those viewership numbers? You're not reaching anybody. If you're selling ad ads based on reach, you have no reach. So, mm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you're seeing a, you're seeing a different shift as well with, with legacy media. I mean, for example, in the UK, they are now talking about freezing um, uh, funds for the BBC and getting rid of the TV license. I don't know if, if you guys have a similar thing where you have to pay your TV license in order to, to watch the BBC and they come around your house and knock on your doors to make sure that if you even have no. a TV... Do you, not, do you not know about this, that we have to pay a TV I, license every year? Well, I knew about it, but I never really knew that they, like, come and door knock you for your TV yeah. license money. What happens if you yeah. don't pay? Oh, they try and fine you, and they try and they, they can try and, like, lock you up for it. It's nuts. Um, yeah, it's, it's really bad. So, um, obviously, you have the right to say, get off my property. Oh, there, there it is. License fee freeze will hit programs. BBC Director General says, yeah, because... 
how it works is you have to pay a TV license every year over here. Um, and that means that you can watch live television. You can watch the BBC, ITV, X, X Y, and Z. Um, but it's, it's predominantly the BBC. And they've, <laughs> so we've been, a lot of people have been campaigning to scrap this license fee because it, it, it targets people like pensioners who just want to watch TV. Um, what is that? I thought I saw there 159 pounds per year. What is that in Canadian pesos? Mm. That's a lot of I'm money sure. to watch watch nothing. Yeah. Like, what and do you watch on the, BBC? The Coronation Street? Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. Emma Dale, EastEnders. I don't watch them. I think my parents do, but, you know, that's that's their own call. But, um, yeah, 270 Yeah, 270 a year. Um, so, yeah, it, it's funny. We're, we're seeing this shift. I mean, it's it's a very outdated model. Um, and of course the fact that people can come to your house, knock on your door and be like, he's got a TV, you must watch live TV. Uh, you don't pay a license fee. Um, yeah, get off my property, mate. Like, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. So I'm, I'm glad that they're looking into that, but yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. I didn't know you, you didn't know about all that. I didn't know how, I just knew that there was a license fee, but I don't, I maybe thought it was like, you know, a cup, like added on to your taxes, a couple of bucks a month. That's how we support the CBC. They just, the government just gives, just gives them money. And, and <laughs> it, we just assume it's coming out of our taxes. They're like, here's a billion and a half dollars a year for, to make something completely unwatchable. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that you have to pay a license fee to watch live TV. Yeah, By the way, who still watches like... live TV? What year is this? Is this 1997? <laughs> exactly it's just ridiculous yeah when you when you go to move into a property you pay your council tax you pay all your bills like your water electricity and then your tv license so that's a separate one so yeah that must that looks like it's blown your mind sheila uh, I'm, yeah. I, I just can't even believe this and, and like in a day and age <laughs> where like netflix all these streaming services yeah. ad supported yeah. streaming services like tubi apple tv yeah. you know if you, i don't remember the last time that i went actually out of the house to watch a movie also because i don't want to participate in the vaccine passport system but things come directly to google movies so i just buy them there and i can watch them whenever i feel like and this like it's so outdated it's like they they've never met someone who actually yeah. watches TV in the last 10 years. Shocked. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, it is it's absolutely nuts. So yeah, a lot of people have been campaigning for the defund the BBC. That's it. Yeah, I've seen, hang on, I've seen this before. I can't see the caption, but um, yeah, you pay your TV license and um, this is all that you get. It's just, yeah, iPlayer, services, Scotland, online, CBBs, all the radios, parliament, and it's like, really? It's uh, yeah. So I'm in favour of scrapping the the TV license. It's outdated. It's ridiculous. So it's interesting you talk about modelling the, the the CDC. So uh, yeah, that's that's tied in really nicely. That one. That blows my mind. Now let's move along <laughs> because there's a parent. I'm just I'm so shocked that you have to pay all that money for all that unwatchable garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Speaking of like getting into the next century, there's a new generation of U.S. politicians coming up, and I'm, I think, probably a generation older than you. I think I have a son that's pretty close to your age. Um, 
Cool. So I feel like um, I understand what the young people are all about, but I don't know, because just saying that made me feel <laughs> old. But <laughs> um, there's a whole uh, new slate of kind of youngish people election ads. And we've got this one on cannabis reform, which uh, let's watch it together. I haven't seen this yet. Every 37 seconds, someone is arrested for possession of marijuana. Since 2010, state and local police have arrested an estimated 7.3 million Americans for violating marijuana laws, over half of all drug arrests. Black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana laws than white people. States waste $3.7 billion enforcing marijuana laws every year. Most of the people police are arresting aren't dealers, but rather people with small amounts of pot, just like me. I'm Gary Chambers, and I'm running for the U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Gary, I don't think that's a small amount of pot. You're smoking a big hog's leg in your ad. What did I do? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think it's it's sad that immediately um, it was all made about race. Immediately. I, 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 think, I, just, I don't know. That's just... I don't know. I've got I've got no words really. I've I've got no words to say. Sheila, what, what's your what, what's your take on on um, on that policy legalization? What's your take? I've never asked you that. It's been legalized in Canada for I don't know mm-hmm. a few years. I've sort of given up caring on it. Um, I yeah. I do think that um the government has handled it very poorly as the government tends to do with all these sorts of things for example where i am they have these regulations where you have to black out the windows even though like the outside is all like oh. cannabis shop cannabis shop marijuana leaves but you they don't want the public to be able to see into inside the store and I, mm. they say it's for security reasons but the flip side has happened where it's really easy to rob a cannabis store because nobody can see the robbery happen. You just go in, rob the place and walk back out. Um, nobody can see like <laughs> the guy with the gun pointed at the, at the person at the counter. And I, because of how it was first introduced and how it was sort of left up to the provinces to decide how they're going to legalize and manage it and tax it. Um, in where I am, Alberta, we're sort of like the wild west with some of this stuff, but still even the government being involved um, the government was selling cannabis um, like direct to mail and they lost a bunch of money on it because they were competing with these stores that were just literally everywhere. You could throw a rock in any direction, hit a cannabis store, likewise with liquor stores. So I'm happy that, you know, there's all these pop up entrepreneurs, I guess now I've I've never I've never even done uh, marijuana. I just don't care. I made it this far in my life now. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm not even interested. Um, but just the, how the government rolled it out and then the government lost money selling mm. marijuana is the perfect synopsis mm. of everything that's wrong with the government, right? And then they taxed yeah. it. it made, they made it more expensive. They certainly didn't put the local weed man out of business, the guy, <laughs> the, the dial-a-doper guy, because the government taxed it so much. So, I mean, I guess you can get different products now. And so there's, you know, it's sort of like a cornucopia of things marijuana now, which is, I guess, interesting if you're into that kind of stuff. And the weed man just had his couple of strains that he sold you in a baggie. So I guess it's a little different. Um, but I don't know. I, I just don't care. But I did think it was interesting that this guy 
this is his ad now is just look at how cool I am. I'm sitting in a field. Yeah. Like I said, Spoken smoking up. a hog's a smoking a hog's leg where he was he's like, you know, <laughs> people like me with a little bit of marijuana. And I'm like, what? That, that's not a little bit. That, like, that's, a, that's a fair bit. <laughs> I just, I don't Gosh, know. Cool. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I mean, creative, I guess. Very creative. Yeah. Um, I believe, I believe we're moving on now to the uh, the cringy ads is is what it's called. Um, yeah. So let's have a look and react to this. What is going on? Was, What's wrong with these communications people? We should ban all politicians from TikTok. I've never seen a good one. Yeah. What is this? Well, who's got Heelys on, really, at this at this sort of at this time? Again, was that, what year is this? Was that was that there was that literally an ad to for that was his for, TikTok. Sorry. He's going into stop the Republican agenda. I don't know. You're wearing Heelys. Anybody could stop you. They just roll you backwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it is politicians using memes, isn't it? It's just. No. You're not good at I it. I mean, the only no, they're not. I'll tell you who the one politician, the two politicians actually that I thought used memes to their advantage was Trump. I think he sure. was very, very good at doing that. And um, yeah. uh, Gozar um, is his name. I, I forgot his his first name. Gozar, I think I believe his name in the US. I've been seeing yeah. he's been he's been doing some good. Um, he's good a dentist. Memeing for uh, <laughs> he's a dentist. I didn't know that. He is. Um, yeah, but. Everyone else, no, you can't do it. It's banned. <laughs> Little well, particularly but... the left. Like this just re- reaffirms yeah. my position that the left can't meme. They're not good mm-hmm. at it because they're not funny mm-hmm. because they're too busy policing comedy and telling you what you can and can't laugh at. So naturally they can't even produce a meme or a picture or a TikTok that's even like <laughs> caused me to crack a smile on the side of my face because it's just stupid. It's just, it's not interesting. Because they're so I, I was just more confused. Yeah, I was just more confused at, at that. Because I was like, hang on a minute, is this the advert? So, you know, it, it goes to show yeah. you, doesn't it? Are you selling me your politics or your shoes? I can't tell. You know, and I should be able to tell. <laughs> I remember when Healy's came out as well. Yeah. Uh, something very exciting happened yesterday. I very rare. Well, no, that's not true. I was going to say I very rarely watch Dr. Phil, but sometimes I watch it like it's a train wreck and it's sort of on in the background when I'm working because I work from home. Um, but Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire <laughs> was on there yesterday and I watch Matt religiously. I listen to Matt all of the time when I'm on the treadmill and he was on Dr. Phil yesterday because as some of you may or may not know, Matt Walsh is a celebrated best-selling LGBT children's author. And um, he went on, Dr. Phil, to talk about transgenderism and the forced use of somebody else's pronouns and um, medical interventions on little kids. And, um, you know, he really knows his stuff. He gives a lot of talks on this stuff. And um, I really, I kind of like how the left loved his LGBT children's book until they actually figured out what it was about. And Johnny the Walrus, basically, (laughs) the the moral of the story of the book is this little boy 
decides that he's a walrus, instead of his mom saying, okay, yeah, fine, honey, you're a walrus. Go come back when you're G.I. Joe or go play and you'll grow out of it. It's just a, a whim of a child. The mom says, oh, we better take you to the doctor. And the doctor prescribes worms for him to eat because now he's a walrus. And then the doctor says, I better cut your hands into flippers because you're a walrus. And the mom says, yep, definitely. We better do that because you're a walrus. I'm affirming your walrus identity, to paraphrase. And um, it basically, it, it was the absurdity of, you know, medically transitioning children based on something they said to you one day. And um, the radical left, they decided to make sure that his book wasn't on Amazon and they tried to have it pulled down in all other places and Barnes and Noble. And naturally the book just sold out. I'm still awaiting my copy. Um, and, uh, you know, it was the Streisand effect, Johnny, the walrus. Yeah. And it's five star rated. And, uh, I kind of like the, the foray of conservatives, especially conservative parents, um, creating content for children. And it's not even conservative content. It's just like, leave my kid alone. I've got my family, yeah. you do your family over there. Um, that's sort of the mm -hmm. theme of uh, how conservatives think about the family. Um, but anyway, long mm. story short, he went on to Dr. Phil. And if you don't pay attention to the audience, because this is a California audience that knew that Matt Walsh was coming. So the audience is stacked against him. Against him. But if you don't listen to the audience and just listen to the left-wing activist and Matt, the reasonable, unexcitable, conservative, so boring, he's excellent, um, versus the people who, on the other side, if you just disregard the audience, pay attention to that, you're like, oh my goodness, this is an axe murdering. <laughs> Matt Walsh murdered these people. I like to report a crime. Um, so maybe we can show <laughs> some of that if you wouldn't mind. That's a question I would like to throw out to you know, other members of the panel, actually, because just like the four-year-old can't answer what is a girl, well, this is one of the problems with this left-wing gender ideology is that no one who espouses it can even tell you what these words mean. Like, what is a woman? Well, can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't. Because but, it's not for me to say. I, womanhood looks different for everybody. What do, you, what do you define a woman as? An adult human female. And what does a female mean? <laughs> Uh, well, well, that's how do you, how do you define a someone with, with female reproductive organs. Okay. Someone who's, you know, here's the thing. When you're, when you're female, it goes right down to your bones, your DNA. So that's why if someone dies, okay. we could dig up their bones 100 years from now. We have no idea what they believed in their head, but we can tell what sex they were okay. because it's, in, it's down in, it's, it's in, ingrained in every fiber of their being. Interesting. So I'm trying to understand. Your definition is that a woman is someone who is female, you said, right? Correct. So what happens if we have maybe someone who is female, identifies as a woman, right? You know, cisgender woman, right? As you explained, as you just explained, but maybe doesn't have the ability to reproduce. Maybe doesn't have those organs that you're talking about that are reproductive organs. I have answered the question. You stood up here and said trans women are women. Yes. Tell me what you mean. What is a woman? Womanhood is something that, just as Ethan explained, I cannot define because I am not but myself. you used the word. So what did you mean when you said trans women are women if you don't know what it means? Right. So here's the thing. So I do not define what a woman is because I do not identify as a woman. Womanhood is something that is an umbrella term. It includes people that who... That describes what? People who identify as a woman. <laughs> identify as what? As a woman. What is that? 
was to each their own. Okay. Each woman, each man, each person Whoa. is going to have a different relation with their own gender identity and define it differently. And so I'm trans women are women too. Okay. And you want to hold on. You want to reduce. Listen, listen. You want to reduce. You want to reduce women. You want to reduce men down to maybe just their genetics, our genitals, no. our chromosomes. Right. That's what you're what saying. You is is that that's what what you, what you want to do is appropriate women. You want to appropriate womanhood. Okay. And turn it into basically a costume that could be worn. Do you know? Do you know what? I just want to say <laughs> um, there is. I, I I don't know what you think about this, Sheila, but. How offensive is that, that that person sat there and said, well, what about women who can't reproduce? I mean, can't, and basically saying that a woman who cannot reproduce is not a real woman. I mean, yeah. surely that is the pinnacle of offensiveness. Surely, if they want to talk offensive, surely that statement alone is enough for someone to go, hang on a minute, no, you're talking nonsense there. Like, just because something doesn't work automatically means you're not a real person. Like, that's because that's their definition of it, surely. So that, that to me, just screams, like, you're delegitimizing women across the world by saying that. And that's, that's, yeah. so, that's so wrong. Yeah, it's, uh, they are taking women with a biological disorder they're taking biological women, genetic women with uh -huh. a medical condition that causes infertility and lumping them in with the guys in a dress and high heels and drawn on eyebrows. That is truly offensive. Um, it, it's funny because as a woman, I've lived as a woman my whole life. I'm raising a couple of them to see these two activists speak on behalf of me is mm -hmm. gross. You know, mm -hmm. in, further in this uh, appearance by Matt, um, they talk about maybe Mr. Producer can bring it up. They talk about the issue of Loudoun County and transgender washrooms or open washrooms, sorry, that everybody can just, if you identify as a girl, you can go in the girl's bathroom. And Matt brings up what a security the issue this is for girls. And the professor, there's this weird professor lady with a really bad haircut. Normally I don't judge because I have unruly hair, but hers is like, she's obviously in a fight with her dad. That's why she did that to her hair. And um, she she basically says, well, I'm not sure if that's a safety issue. Right after Matt says, in Loudoun County, a girl was raped in the bathroom. Her dad was arrested at a school board meeting for even raising the issue. And this woman goes, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if it's a safety issue. Well, it is for me and my girls. And it is for that dad in Loudoun County. And we can't even be critical of this issue because somebody then says, oh, it's a safety issue because you hurt my feelings, but girls are being raped in bathrooms and that's not a security issue. That's not a safety issue. It's ridiculous. Well, exactly. And I think, I think as well, Matt, Matt Walsh made the best um, uh, counter uh, argument there that we literally can dig up people, uh, well, I say women um, who have died hundreds of years ago and you do not even need to know what they were thinking just by 
forensic scientific um, analysis, you can determine what sex that person is. And that shows to you that it's not, it's not just in your head um, of, of how it's measured. It's measured through genetics, DNA, chromosomes, um, and X, Y, and Z. And I think it, it's just it's shocking that we've that people have fallen to this idea of it's all based or it's all measured around feeling. You can't. I don't think you can measure that. I don't think that's immeasurable. So it's almost now. Um, it's it's such it's an issue that that is is really polarizing people, and it's and it's and it's polarizing. Um, uh, children as well, and it's it's making children almost scared to even say, "Hang on a minute, well, this doesn't seem right," and that's what's worrying. Not being able to critique, I think, being able to critique an idea to, for better ideas is how you move forward. And it's almost like um, these people have made their mind up on on what they would like to believe, and they don't want anything else. So therefore, everyone else is wrong. Um, but yeah. I think the, the pinnacle of that was um, was that person turning around and saying, "Yeah, well, what if a woman can't reproduce? What if their their sexual organs aren't um, aren't working? That means that they're they're essentially what they're saying is that means that they're not a real woman. That like it's just that's so unbelievable. You may as well offensive. be a guy in a wig, is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Later on in that appearance, Matt made the point that there are, as I always call them, mediocre men stealing opportunities from girls. And and uh, the activist said, oh, look at him, you know, talking about how, you know, talking about women, who does he think he is? But you got like, you're just a guy in makeup. <laughs> like yeah, You don't exactly. get to speak for me either. But at least Matt is saying, uh, get out of girls sports. This is deeply mm. personal for me because my daughter trains probably eight days a week. She plays high-level competitive rugby at an international level. Um, mm. But as Mr. Producer brought up, she can train eight days a week. She's in the gym. She's lifting. She's running. She's tackling. She's running drills all the time. Serious about her nutrition. She's 15. But those 15-year-old boys are much bigger, much bigger than her. And... Mm -hmm. Two things are going to happen if things are allowed to proceed the way they are. A mediocre boy who's flunked out of the national team program is going to take her spot on the girls' team, as we see all the time in uh, swimming these days. They're just swimming, cycling, weightlifting, flunk out of the male stuff and just go over and steal a spot from a girl who's worked really hard for it. Or her career is going to be ended because she's going to be across the scrum um, from a, a boy who identifies as a girl and she's going to receive a serious injury. And uh, if this, if this madness is going to continue, that's what we're facing in my family, but it's going to be faced by every family with a high level female athlete. This is truly the end of female sports, unless we put a marker down and say, this is crazy enough is enough that we cannot feel yeah. our way out of biology. It doesn't change exactly. whatever that, young man feels inside of his body and however he lives his life outside of his sport. I don't care. I can't be bothered yeah. to care. I'm too busy driving my 15 year old to training, but it doesn't change the fact that he has undergone male puberty. 
And that increases muscle mass, uh, bone mass, growth, everything that my daughter will not. And it's not fair. Yeah. There's got to be a different solution. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you couldn't have said it better. And uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't even think I've got anything to add to that because you've said it said it perfectly so perfect yeah. let's um, just let's yeah maybe let's uh let's oh we've gone long on uh, youtube so that's great but we are uh, i think going to sign off of youtube and encourage our people who are watching us on youtube to join us on rumble odyssey or super you we're going to continue the conversation which is going to get dangerous at least according to um youtube standards we're going to be talking about hate facts <laughs> and conspiracy facts, <laughs> not conspiracy theories. So if you wouldn't mind joining us on one of those other platforms and we are going to continue the dangerous conversation over there and Mr. Producer will let me know when we're all clear. All clear. Okay. We are. Clear? All clear. Okay, perfect. Okay, perfect. Next, cool. uh, next story is out of the Czech Republic and mm -hmm. the... Czech Republic has scrapped plans for mandatory COVID vaccines. I didn't. I can't even believe that they were going to make them mandatory. Um, the company's prime minister announced on Wednesday that the country's new government ditched the. Oh, that's why. Okay, they ditched the previous government's plans to introduce ma mandated vaccines for older people and those in certain professions. So I'm assuming this would probably be in healthcare. And he says we do not want to deepen the rifts in society. Uh, Love yeah, it. thank God. That's great. Um, he calls it yeah. nonsense from the start. Um, I wonder Brilliant. if the change in government had something to do with the previous government's COVID response. And if it is, let that be a lesson to politicians all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And Czech Republic as well is an ex-communist nation. So they've, of <laughs> course, seen all that unravel before. So um, I say fantastic. That's that's personally, I think that's better news than what's come out of England. In my own humble opinion, I think that's the, the that's the next step that um, that governments need to take. So, well done, Czech Republic. I think that's fantastic news. So, yeah, and calling it nonsense as well. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. Finally, bit of breath of fresh air that one. So, yeah, and I know they've been out protesting as well, which is which is great. Is that is that Czech? Yeah, it is Czech Republic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, they've been really fighting for that. So the fact that um, government officials have turned around and gone, do you know what? It is nonsense. We're scrapping it. Done. Right. Let's move on. Let's stop the divide. Gosh, that we could have done that about a year ago, couldn't we? But thank um, thank the Lord that uh, that someone came along and went, nope, we're getting rid of this. So good for them. Um, and I fancy a, a Czech Republic beer now um, yeah. to celebrate for them. So that's, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Charming-looking country, by the way. Um, mm. uh, it, we cobblestone streets—they're so foreign to me. I live on a gravel it's road. Beautiful. So, <laughs> so, I, was um, I, went, I went to Park Prague. It's lovely there, really lovely. Oh. So I want to go back. Now, things are changing in the Czech Republic, but things are getting worse here in Canada. Um, and mm -hmm. as a Westerner, I believe all bad ideas come from Ontario. And <laughs> their health minister, Christine Elliott, is reminding me that I was right to think that way. Why don't we roll this latest video? I want to respond to some extremely concerning reports that some doctors are spreading misinformation about vaccines. 
At a time when it's never been more important for Ontarians to have confidence in the safety and effectiveness of vaccines, this is unacceptable. I will be sending a letter to the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario urging them to do everything that is possible to put an end to this behaviour. They should consider all options in doing so, including reviewing the licences of physicians found to be spreading misinformation. I want to respond to some extremely... This is crazy. Um, this, she never identifies what misinformation is. So I'm going to mm. just assume that this means uh, disagreeing with the government's reaction to coronavirus, whether it's lockdowns, mm -hmm. forced vaccinations. Um, no wonder people are having a real tough time getting medical exemptions out of their doctors, particularly Ontario, um, so that they can go to work. Because if you work for the government um, or in healthcare, you need to have a vaccine or you can't go to work. And if you have a medical condition that prevents you from being vaccinated, we're hearing from so many people who say, my doctor would, just won't give me one. Well, yeah, because mm. if they give you one, Christine Elliott, the tyrant, is going to label you a misinformation spreader, an anti-vaxxer, and then she's going to pressure the College of Physicians and Surgeons, which is a non-governmental body. It exists exclusive of the government. It's supposed to sort of be a buffer between the government mm. and doctors. She's mm -hmm. going to pressure them to strip the licenses of otherwise good doctors who just disagree with the government's reaction to this. This is crazy. This is enforcing ideological homogeneity in doctors for speaking their mm -hmm. minds. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting to watch, actually. I mean, what happened to follow the science? Wasn't that the, uh, wasn't that the motto? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's follow the government. Particular, <laughs> it's follow the government now. It's, it's follow these scientists, not the ones that you differ with. Unbelievable that one person could stand there and go, right, no, misinformation, that's it. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I feel for – and Ontario, wasn't it? Um, I feel yeah. for, I feel for um, people going through that. That's, that's, that's awful, especially doctors who have worked their entire lives on – on uh, doing their pro their profession, to then someone with a differing opinion turns around to you and says, "No, we're stripping you of uh, of your work, your profession, because I know better. I know better than you." Because yeah, I don't know, paid shill probably awful. Well, it's doctors know their individual patients, and so they look at the individual mm -hmm. patient and assess the individual patient. But this is a mm -hmm. blanket government policy that doesn't take into the fact that the doctors are dealing with the person with their medical issues right in front of them. This is crazy. People mm. are going to end up, I mean, people are right now because of this in a position where um, they are forced to take a medical treatment that may cause their death for people with certain mm -hmm. medical conditions or lose their job. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Exactly. Unbelievable. Um, just, uh, yeah, we're off YouTube. That's great. So, yeah, yeah you're either, you either force people to take uh, an experimental um, jab or if you criticise lockdowns, uh, yeah, that's it. You lose your licence. Yeah. <laughs> it's just 
like, I, I keep saying the same mantra and that's how did we get here? But <laughs> I don't know. Saying that it's almost like it, you, you, you've come on too late, but we've, we've seen <laughs> the rapid change in, in Canada. We've seen the rapid change in Australia, uh, even in Britain uh, at one point. You know, we've 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 seen the slow degeneration of these of these psyops uh, mimes, yep. um, if you will. Um, what would you rather believe, a, a doctor or a behavioural scientist that tells you uh, <laughs> tells you that um, I don't know? You, you have to you have to follow the behavioural side of things as opposed to what's uh, what's scientifically correct. It's just yeah. I've got no words now, for that. I'm sorry. It's just disgusting. Now, we can actually see some of these bad Ontario ideas and the bad Ontario response to the coronavirus pandemic playing out in the responses to my friend, Laura Rosen Cohen's tweet. Laura writes for Newsweek. Um, she also works for Mark Stein, and she's um, I think she's working on a piece for Brownstone. And uh, these stories, I guess, are the sorts of things um, like the stories in response to her tweet here are the sorts of things that if a doctor spoke out about the harm being done, they could face losing their license thanks to the tyrant Christine Elliott. So this is what Laura asked. She said, Ontario residents, please reply with the COVID rules that were the most cruel, heavy handed, mean spirited, silly and ridiculous. I need the news stories, links and your personal anecdotes for something I'm working on. Please retweet and share. And some of these mm. are just monstrous blocking off non-essential items in essential retail stores led to my two-year-old crying in the walmart aisle and my wife being forced to return a tupperware bin after purchase because the employees blocked her exit from the store on threat of calling the police but because tupperware was non-essential taped up basketball nets out no outdoors knowing full well that these spaces are often used by young people who don't have access to sports recreational activities these policies hurt those who were already the most hurt by the shutdowns. Um, next person, I'm allergic to two ingredients in the shot. This is a long established allergy that my doctor has known about for a decade, but he won't write me an exemption because he would be punished ostensibly by the tyrant Christine Elliott for doing his job. Uh, the next person says, yeah, exemptions are impossible to get. A vaccine injury destroyed my health 15 years ago. My doctor, who's been a rock through it all, advised me not to get the vaccine, but he couldn't write me an exemption out of fear of being reprimanded. Not allowed to see my dying brother until a few hours before he died due to restrictions. He unfortunately got sick right before COVID and died on my birthday in 2021. Let's keep going. Let's read a couple more of these because this is the human cost of the lockdown. Um I'm not allowed to visit my mother in a long-term care home because I'm unvaccinated, but she's triple vaxxed. Been told I can't see her for the foreseeable future or until I get vaccinated. She has no one but me. I'm her only family and I'm not allowed to see her. The next lady says, mom of a teenager with several severe allergies, doctor will not give an exemption to protect career, cannot participate in sports clubs, school clubs and sports or go anywhere a vax is required many teens and adults in the same boat where there is risk there must be choice playground closures other limits on outdoor recreational activity but especially the playground closures for children uh doug ford you will re be remembered in history for this fun fact the playgrounds and parks sorry can you go back up just go back up one 
The playgrounds and parks in my city were closed off with yellow tape. Ezra took photos of this too. Even if I don't have kids, I went to said parks, almost all of them, and tore down the yellow tape, took it all off. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Um, this old, this elderly lady at the beginning of the vax mandate being forced to show her vax card, but oh, the lady would take it so she can eat. I mean, this is sad. Just, all of this is despicable. And this is one Twitter thread by people who only follow Laura Rosen Cohen. The stories are thousands. I even have one of my own. It, it's just despicable. And the story after story after story of doctors being unwilling or unable to give medical exemptions because they their careers will be destroyed. So they're being forced to choose between this patient or the other ones that they are currently treating as well. Um, that's the predicament the government has put these doctors in. Firing doctors, stripping them of their licenses while telling me we have to lock into our homes to protect the healthcare system. None of it makes any sense. No, it doesn't. And um, the the people will be held accountable one day. I I can I put money on it, put my life on it almost. Um, yeah, the, the, these people will be held accountable one day. You know, it might not happen soon, but one day, you know, history will remember. And all of this is, once it goes online, you know, it's very hard to scrub it off the internet. So, yeah, these people are... Monsters. Yeah, they're not going to be... They're monsters. Yeah, and then they're, they're monsters, yeah. yeah. They are monsters. So, now... Uh, story from the UK. Um, yes. Let's talk about yes. how they've been skewing the numbers um, to yes. justify the things that they're doing to people. Take yes. It away. Well, so um, Sajid Javid, the UK's health secretary, has come out and said that the death rates for COVID have been skewered. So what we were told for the last two years have been a complete lie. Now, me and Sheila were discussing beforehand when, when we came on and I spoke about the figures. I actually got the figures wrong, Sheila. I thought that it was roughly about 17,000. I actually looked it up um, properly. Um, for two years from the start of the pandemic till um, till the 31st of 2021 in December, the, the total number of deaths of someone who has died with COVID in England and Wales is actually 6,182 compared to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who have died. So what they have done wow. is they've admitted that they have admitted that they have skewered the death rates data. They've added in people with morbidities 28 days after a positive test, and they've lumped it all in together. And he admitted that <laughs> that people that the, the the people who have died from these other causes, it's all been skewered. And he's the fact that he's admitted that, I don't know why people, I mean Let's, well, I mean, let's be honest, on Saturday when the freedom rallies are going to happen, I mean, people are going to be riled up, people are going to be angry, but I don't know why uh, this isn't national like front page news to everything, BBC, mainstream media, everything. He's, he's just admitted it. 
I, yeah. I, I don't know why people aren't ready with pitchforks. It's unbelievable. 6,182 deaths. Over two and years. England and Wales. Over two years. Over Pure two COVID years. Death. And I'm going to bet that most, if not all of those people had multiple comorbidities and were elderly um, th because this has been a pandemic of the elderly. And I'd be interested to see in any other given year, what are the deaths of influenza in that same mm -hmm. demographic of people? Is it more or is it less? Um, I think mm -hmm. it would be roughly the same, which means that we locked down an entire society for this the death rates akin to the seasonal flu. I'm willing to bet yeah. that we would be pretty close to that. I think, um, I don't know if the producer has got it. I put the actual figures in, um, into the thread. I don't know if it's, if we're able to pull that up just so, just so, you know, you can see the, the numbers for yourself. There we go. Um, so England and Wales, this shows you it's, it's broken down between sex and age group. First of February, 2020, uh, till the 31st of December, 2021. And you can see those numbers. That's a pure COVID death from two years, two years, 10 to 14 males, none, one to four, none, five to nine, none. Um, unbelievable. One death, 15 to, to 19 year olds. And, uh, I think that's the male category. Yeah. Look at that. Nothing. And then you, you scroll down and then you start to see, of course, the pattern from the elderly, right? And the vulnerable. But these are but remember, these are pure COVID deaths. So there, there's no underlying health conditions here. Um, it's all the elderly. Nothing. It's is, everybody, it's, it's everybody over the yeah. age of 70. Yeah. But Two we years, locked all the 6, young 000. people. We locked all the young people in their homes. Um, yeah. We stopped them from interacting in a normal way. We kicked kids out of school. We destroyed businesses. Yeah. We destroyed yeah. uh, community relationships when uh, yeah. vaccine segregation sort of broke down political lines. Um, look at the mm. damage that has been done to society because of this. Yeah. Yeah. The, the economy's crashed. People, suicide rates were up at a stupendous amount. I, I don't even want to look at the uh, the suicide rates in comparison to 6,182. But remember that yeah. number, 6,182, that's England and Wales. That is, this is unforgivable what, what yeah. this government and governments around the world has done. Unforgivable. This is evidence, pure evidence that the conspiracy theorists in, in quotation were right all along. We knew that the data was skewered. Ever since I put on the news and the BBC came up and they, they turned around and said, right, um, we're, it's being registered as 28 days after a positive test. If you get hit by a bus or hit by a car or fall off a ladder and die, that is considered a COVID death. Ever, ever since then, I've gone, there's something not right there. No, that's not right. And then ever since then, we we're saying that I say we. Um, myself and, and lots of other people in, in, in other circles have been saying the data has been skewered ever since. And yep. here is the, the UK health secretary admitting it, admitting that it was skewered. Why isn't everyone up in arms about this? It is, it is unforgivable, so unforgivable. And I feel for all those families as well who have had 
yeah, their businesses, their their siblings, their their offspring, their friends, families, all all put in. Oh, I can't even speak. I'm that upset. I'm so yep. upset. Because uh, I because I don't. It's not about being right all along. That's that's not that's not the the case. It's about finding out the truth and saying, here's the truth. What are we going to do about it? It's not a gotcha. It's not a, oh, I was right all along. It's none of that. It's finding the truth and saying, look, this is the reality of it. Someone and a lot of people need to be held accountable. This is, this is essentially crimes against humanity. Now I'm going to say it. I've been, I've been holding off to say that for a long time, but it is, it's so sad and it's disgusting and it's unforgivable. Yeah. Now, uh, we should move along to, um, some more UK stories. Um, apparently if you have an adverse reaction to vaccination, let's say you got a headlight, a headache. Don't worry. It's not a stroke. It's not a blood clot settling into your brain. Definitely not. It's all literally all in your head. It's just anxiety and anticipation <laughs> of getting your third, fourth, fifth dose of the vaccine that's causing you to feel this way. It's, don't worry, you're not having a heart attack, that tingling in your arm you're feeling, that's anxiety, no big deal, just carry on, ignore it. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? Um, I mean, this is the definition of gaslighting, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, how, how can how can you sit there and, it, it, let's say that the, uh, let's say that, placebos whatever your view is on placebos that you know if you're skeptical of them or if you're not or if they're they're factually correct um why put out this sort of headline in these times it's 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 completely it's you know what they're doing we know what they're doing with this all the all the main um all the main lot is what i'm going to say all the main ones are coming out saying the same thing using the same headline Oh, don't worry. You probably just imagined it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, my friend has got myocarditis. Yeah, you probably imagined that as well. Sure. Okay. Oh no, but we're all we're only talking about mild symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Oh, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. It's it's pure gaslighting and manipulation. That's that's all that is. And it's it's playing into the hands of, of people who um, will dismiss any type of vaccine um, effect from from covid it's yeah it's it's absolutely disgusting what's uh, what's your take sheila i think there's a really sinister reason that they're doing this and sometimes i yeah. i don't know if i should attribute um some sort of sinister scheme to just people being idiots but i think there is a sinister scheme here um in that they are trying to rig the numbers they want to make mm. sure that you second guess yourself and don't report mm what you think is a vaccine injury that, Oh, this, yes. that chest pain, it's just heartburn. I just, you know, I shouldn't have been drinking that pickle juice or whatever. And so I'm not going to report this vaccine injury, which helps the vaccine companies because then they don't have all these vaccine injuries it, being counted. So they want you to second mm. guess yourself and just forget about it and carry on when maybe that brain fog you're experiencing is um, a clot settling into your brain and it's going to cause a larger problem. Articles like this jeopardize people's health. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
yeah, the definition of gaslighting is how I see that. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's <laughs> you can almost see it. You know when you know what they say when when you're awakened and then you you start to see patterns and you start to notice things and you can't ever shut off. And then as soon as you see stuff like that, you go, oh yeah, yeah, we know what you're doing. Well played, very smart. Yeah, I'm not buying it. No thanks. It's just unbelievable every day i'm walking around like rowdy roddy piper and they live where i just can see (laughs) see what's happening i'm seeing things pretty clearly these days um we should get to this one last story and then we'll get to our chats because we're already over time and i don't know um what it yeah there that's me with my glasses i was thinking of this yeah i was thinking (laughs) of this as well yeah yep that's yep. literally, See? yeah. This is life. This is life these days. Yep. Yeah. Um, we should get to this one last story and then we'll get to the chats because we're over time and I'm sure somebody else needs this studio or Mr. A- AD. They probably need him. So <laughs> we'll get to this last one. Um, it's out of Canada. It's out of Quebec, actually, which, um, again, why do these stories confirm all my biases about everybody involved in the story? Um, it's, uh, the court issues a vax gag order. The story is in Blacklock, say, great independent site, not beholden to anybody. We'll never take government money. Oh, it's Brampton, Ontario. Okay, perfect. Um, also, again, cons- confirming uh, bad... Uh, my bad suspicions about Ontario also. A Brampton, Ontario judge has issued a gag order forbidding a father from criticizing the federal vaccination program within earshot of his 10-year-old son. Anything that calls into question the safety or efficacy of the COVID vaccine is not allowed, ruled Ontario Superior Court. He couldn't listen to us with his kid within earshot, whatever that no, means. Um, the judge... <sighs> said, I find the boy is receiving mixed messages about the risks and benefits of COVID-19 vaccination and that at 10 years of age, he's unable to make an informed decision. We're all getting mixed messages, lady. Anyways, um, (laughs) the court granted an urgent motion sought by the boy's mother. Um, The couple divorced in 2013, and um, I can see why. Anyway, the mother, a teacher... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Wanted the boy immunized since she is worried about sending the child back to school for in-person learning next week without him being vaccinated. This is the mother imposing the will of the education union onto her child and by extension her husband who probably rightfully divorced her and I never really cheer for um the breakup of families but <laughs> I can see why this one happened. Um The father complained the government is forcing people to be vaccinated against COVID. I don't show me the lie. Anyways, there is no benefit (laughs) to children to receive the COVID vaccine. Again, show me the lie. The study says this. Um, And he wanted to wait. Okay, so he's not even an anti-vaxxer, by the way. This is what he says. He wanted to wait until further evidence is available regarding the safety of the vaccine. Um, This is crazy. Go ahead. You talk. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's a perfectly normal, rational thing to say. Like, if you're not sure about something, you wait, you, you you sit on it for a while, you know, you make your decision later once you find out more information about it. That's a perfectly rational and normal standpoint that a normal person would make. Yet they're but even doing that now, 
is considered um, almost inflammatory and blasphemy. That you know, you could be, you could sit there and be, you know, pro vaccines or, or whatever, and you can you can tell about how great it is, um, and you can be for lockdowns. But then, as soon as you go, well, actually, for me, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait because I want to just see a little bit more data before making a decision. That's that's considered bad. And the fact that this poor man now can't even speak to his ten-year-old child, I believe. Um, yeah. I mean, you you kind of just run out of words, don't you? You kind of run out of things to say. I feel like I'm regurgitating a lot of, of what I say when I see stories like this. And there's a lot of anti-dad se- sentiment out there. There's a lot of anti-dad um, stuff. And I hate that. That, that. that boils my blood a bit. So to see stories like that, I'm like, I'm like, are oh, you assholes? Like, how dare you? Like, that's that's awful. And I, I can't, I don't want to, I'm trying not to regurgitate the same things that I say every time, but it's just, it's absolutely horrific to see. And I hope that that dad gets some form of justice one way or the other. I mean, this judge's ruling would probably make it illegal for him to show the, uh, like Pfizer's own information about the vaccine where it lists the side effects because it goes on to say uh, he shall not permit any other person to have any such discussion or to make any suggestion to his son directly (sighs) or indirectly. So he couldn't even, a healthcare worker couldn't even tell your kid, um, oh, you know, like there is this risk of myocarditis before he vaccinates your kid. You couldn't even have that discussion mm. with the kid, right? Because we can't mm. do that. He is prohibited from showing the child websites and other online information literature or any material that calls into question the safety or efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine or permit any other person to do so. So as more information comes out long-term about this from reputable reputable sources, universities, and um, long-term studies, the father cannot ever show his child that, nor could he actually read from Pfizer the associated risks of the disease because this judge said so says it all doesn't it it says it all doesn't it it's just it's absolutely insane it's absolutely insane Um, what was the what was the thing dr robert malone said what is it mass formation psychosis was that it yeah and this looks like it's the judges this is the judge's political opinion on vaccines that she's imposing on this father it's the opposite of science to have a court tell you to shut up about something. I'm sorry, I've got nothing else to say. It's just uh, I'm just so exhausted from seeing um, all of these horrific stories from people, and I just hope everyone finds some some kind of justice because it's just there's there's only so much. <laughs> I mean, we we have to be quite resilient, right? When we're looking through stories and we're and we're talking about stories, we're going out and we're we're investigating and being journalists. Um, but there does come a point, doesn't there, Sheila? Where where you kind of it starts to get to you a bit, where you you read stories like that and it and it and it kind of goes, oh, do you know what? Like this is <laughs> this is really quite upsetting. Um, yeah. So I hope that I hope that guy gets um, 
get some form of uh, justice or compensation at least. Oh, my days. Yeah, I don't know how they can undo the damage they've done here. They're getting it so no. wrong. And yeah. like, as you point out, the relationship between a father and a child is so important. Not having a Absolutely. father in the home and actively involved in your life, in your safety, it's one of the greatest predictors of criminality later on in life is to not have a father in the home. And so the court is getting in between the relationship of this dad and his child, all because the dad is like, you know what, let's just take a hands off, wait and see approach. I'm open to vaccination. I just want to make sure it's the right thing to do, which is exactly mm. what you want a parent to say. And he is completely, completely in trouble for this. It's insane. It's it's awful. The destruction of the family and the relationship between parents and their kids. And I mean, it's that's been one of the big problems that I've had with the pandemic, too, is just how how divisive everything is. Friends are fighting with friends, families fighting yeah. with other family members, parents who divorced and got along relatively well for the sake of the kids are now in court over vaccination. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. We should get to some of these chats because uh, we're 50 mm. minutes past the hour. Trini Canadian says, according to Wikipedia, China is also one of the bid cities for the 2036 Summer Games. Yeah, why don't we just, just give them to China? Just keep giving them to China, give them to Russia. Maybe we can hold them in North Korea. Um, you know, what's Afghanistan doing these days? Give them an Olympics. Who even cares anymore? Yeah. He's just, yeah, who cares? <laughs> um, Trinity Canadian also gives us a buck. This is for Lewis. Lewis, did you not get the woke memo? You have to be less white. It's bad to be white yeah. now. It's bad to be white and male and straight. So I tick all them, them horrible boxes. Sorry about that. Checking a lot of boxes. Cancelled. Yeah. You're cancelled. Goodbye. Canceled. You're done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, John <laughs> T. Singus gives us a buck. Oi, mate. Did you get a license for that? <laughs> the classic line. The classic line for for even carrying knives as well, like a butter knife or something. Is oi, you got a license for that? Yeah. Classic meme. I like it. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I forget which police department it was. But they were like, oh, they were tweeting pictures of like, oh, we got these dangerous items off the street. And I'm like, those are gardening tools. Like it was like a trowel, yeah. some like pruning yeah. shears. I'm like, did you just roll somebody's grandma as she was <laughs> trimming the hedges? Like, what are you heroes doing out there? <laughs> uh, oh, it's so bad. People have been arrested for having um, camping equipment as well. That's been a thing. It's been pretty. I saw insane. knitting oh, needles. You got a for that. Yeah, it's the knitting needles. Meme. Yeah, manicure needles, scissors. Yeah. I've seen it all. Yeah, so bad. You guys are so disarmed. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I've got a jackknife everywhere in my purse, in the right. center console of my vehicle, all my jacket pockets. When it gets cold, I know that's jack knife finding season because I put on a coat and other people like reach in their pockets and find a $20 bill. I'm like, Oh, there's my jackknife. And then I see these, <laughs> these memes from the UK where like grandma's getting her manicure scissors taken. I'm like, Oh, it's the worst over there. We're not far off. Feeling really <laughs> 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 I 
that's a good meme to be fair i'll give them that i'll give them that yeah um let's keep going uh Trishy Lane gives us five bucks, says, so gas went up again today. I wonder how much more will go up now that we can't get it trucked to the gas stations because of tyrannical Trudeau mandating truckers to be jabbed and Biden following suit. Yeah, we're in for a catastrophe in the supply chain. Uh, we can't get pipelines built. We can't, um, our truckers have to be jabbed. And if you need something that needs to come in on a truck from the United States, God help you. What is this going to do, by the way, to the cost of produce here in Western Canada, where it's a frozen hellscape for like eight months of the year? I can't even imagine. Wait, you know what? This might be great because wait till the lefties get mugged on the cost of their avocado and toast, because maybe <laughs> that might wake them up because our avocados have to come from Mexico, California. They have to come in on a refrigerator truck and kept nice and cold so that it can get to your gluten free toast. And once they're paying $4 a piece for an avocado, maybe they might change their mind on forced vaccinations of truckers. Just maybe. <laughs> um, oh dearie me uh alberta dawn gives us a buck and says is a 10 year old child not allowed to receive transgender therapy including hormone therapy without the permission of a parent how crazy is that we've seen where teachers hide these transitions oh uh, from parents so parents don't know that their children are going through this that would be the first person I would tell. Why? Because if you're truly concerned about the safety of the child, you would tell the parent because kids who are struggling with gender identity are at increased risk of suicide. So you would want extra yeah. eyeballs on that kid as they struggle with this. You would naturally tell their parents, but they don't. They let them use their new name at school. And then they say, well, you know what? Maybe let's help you talk to this counselor who can hook you up with this doctor. Parents are out of the loop until your child is like, here's my prescription for hormones. And you're like, where, yeah. where was I in this? And it's yeah. completely done at the educational level. Awful. Yeah, there's. There's been, um, there's, I think there's been doctors who have, um, uh, I believe, um, were in a bit of hot water because uh, children were bypassing their parents to the doctor um, via like Skype and Zoom um, to get some sort of hormone treatment um, and, and things like that. That's a big issue, um, apparently. And I've seen, I think there's been a few cases in the UK of that happening as well, which, um, which is not good. Um, in... In British Columbia, parents are completely left out of the loop and the court uh, enforces it. And in one instance, oh. if a dad even spoke out about what was happening to his child, he went to jail and he did. Um, next, yeah. a last one. Canadian mom, 1997, five bucks. Sheila, the World Health Organization said five to 11 year olds should not be jabbed. And then you send a link to We Love Trump. Um, website we love Trump but I'm just looking right now um, to see if there is um, any data from the World Health Organization which I will do off air because we are 22 minutes past the hour so thanks for that tip I will look into that but if that is the case then um, the World Health Organization would lose custody of their kids thanks to a judge in Ontario apparently those are the rules now I don't make them the courts do exactly, exactly. well everybody uh, 
that's the show I think for today. Thank you so much, Lewis, for hopping on and Skyping with me. I know it's kind of getting kind of late over there. What time is it there? That's all good. It's only um, 6.22. So just in time for tea. So it's all, all good. Ah. So no problem. Okay. Okay. I was just, Brilliant. I was worried it was getting kind of late. I sort of lose track of the, the difference <laughs> between with our journalists no. all over the world. I sort of lose track. Um, but thank you so much for hopping on in, uh, it, I really enjoyed this discussion with you. We don't get a, to spend a lot of time together, so that was fun. Um, thank yeah. you to everybody in the Toronto head office for putting the show together and dealing with my technical difficulties at the beginning. Thank you to everybody who tuned in to watch the show. Thank you to everybody who pitched in. Thank you to our podcast listeners. For those of you who don't know, the show is available in audio form on our podcast channels. And um, I think... I'm not sure who's hosting tomorrow. Maybe Mr. Producer can tell me who's hosting tomorrow. Oh, Dakota, the apparently mm. the best driver at the company, braved the roads to open the company the other day yeah. in Toronto during the snowpocalypse. And Kelly, she's our journalist in Saskatchewan, uh, in Ratland. That'll be a good one. Um, that, as Albertans like to call Saskatchewan. She's a Ratlander. So anyway, uh, we'll see everybody back here tomorrow and I'll be watching from home like the rest of you. Thanks so much, everybody. And as David Menzies Thank says, stay much. safe. Absolutely. And on Saturday, the 22nd, we'll be hosting a freedom rally um, across Canada. I'll be hosting with Mocha. So we'll be going live to journalists across Canada. To uh, It's a very special episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. So write that in your diaries. Put your reminders on that for the Saturday, the 22nd. It's going to be a blast. Thank you. Um, we just have to make a quick correction. Things are moving quickly with that live stream, and it is not going to be Mocha. It is going to be Nat. So live stream viewers, uh, yes. you've met Nat already, and she is fun and engaging, and it'll be a very fun show. Sorry, Nat. I forgot. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't even know, and I'm supposed to know all this stuff. Um, <laughs> anyways, I think that's all the uh, loose ends that we needed to wrap up on the show. Um, we'll see everybody back tomorrow. Uh, and as David Menzies says, stay sane. I, I can't touch that because, sir, I did not uh, you violate you. placed in quarantine. These are also quarantine test kits. You're not going to take them? Okay. All right, now you just lettered into my truck. For 14 days, okay? You have to take those day one and two tests. You have been served several documents. Also, that mask does not mask, uh, meet the federal requirements for masking. So the next time I'm giving you a warning on it today, the next time you come through, you will be fine for having that mask, okay? Did you know, I have a few questions for you, sir.